defends from dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyf, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby league. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Supercoach Playbook podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Joining me this week is the 2019 champion, Des Creek. Des, how are you, mate? Yeah, going well, Timmy. Um, yeah, I'm so bloody keen to get back into the action. I can almost already taste the uh, the Friday night footy screeners <laughs> in my mouth. Mate, and they'll be, <laughs> they'll be well earned for you because... After about two months ago, you stubbing your toe and breaking your big toe, which is a pretty serious sort of thing. You've been out playing golf the other day, banged a drive, got a bit excited, and you've sprained your ankle pretty badly. Mate, start calling you Matt Moylan pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, made a glass. <laughs> it's a tough run. Uh, we've also got the 2019 runner-up and SC Playbook regular, Waltz and Carlos on up north. Waltz, how are you, mate? Yeah, good lads. Yourself? Oh, well, let's into it, lad. So on this week's episode where myself and the spy talked a little bit about the new structure and whatnot last week, so we'll, have, we'll touch on that quickly with these fellas. Uh, if they've got any altered tactics towards the new season, we'll have a look at the winners and losers from the draw, which got released the other day. Uh, and then we're going to look at our must-haves, the pods that we're eyeing off, and guys that we think might be a little bit overhyped going into the new season. Um if you're interested at all, we also have a subscription service in place. It's $30 for an NRL package, $40 for the NRL and Big Bash package for the end of the season. Uh, it offers stacks of extra premium content available with articles from all of us, uh, all the contributors. Uh, we also have a forum coming up uh, about to be loaded onto the website where guys and girls, everyone can interact with their questions throughout the week. Uh, and for the subscribers, they can put them on there, and then our contributors will do their best to get to those as well. So that's exciting to get that up and going. Anyway, let's get stuck into it this week. We'll start off with your thoughts, Walson, on the new setup of the season. How do you find it, uh, the trade limit, and if your tactics will be changing too heavily going into it? Oh, I think it's fair. I mean, I, I think um, I, I, I read something somewhere where they said that there was a legal issue with uh, – cutting down the number of trades or something like that. So I think their hands were tied there. And then I think the five trades and then going back to two a week is is fair. But I'm probably saying that from a position of coming from behind. If I was in front, possibly I'd look at it a little bit different. But I still think um, it's a game that um, the Daily Telegraph and News Limited try to engage people in. So if they cut too many people out of it early in the season, then – you know, um, they're not really achieving their goal there. So I can see what they've done. Yeah, it's a fair shout, mate. Uh, Desi, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I, I like the actions they've put in place for it. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how the uh, how the most, like, consistently top-ranked super coach players deal with it, you know, especially over the first sort of month. But, yeah, in saying that, I think it'll also most likely sort of limit a fair bit of opportunity for those same top-end players, Um who normally sort of shoot up the ranks over the buy and origin period. But, yeah, all in all, I'm pretty excited to just watch people throw the kitchen sink at it per se. I suspect that'll be the winning strategy. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of that strategy. Yeah, that's it, mate. And sort of the spy chatted about it last week, but because we do have this absolute swagger of trades at our disposal, we're in a position where we can go for blokes for one or two weeks that you would not normally get in just purely based on having a nice run. If they've got a battling sort of Titans and Warriors outfit in, you can get some wingers in, some fullbacks in who you normally wouldn't look at. Um, the one thing I do see happening this year is it's just it's basically a head-to-head contest because there's no origin to plan around. It's basically just who can get the best side, who can get the best pods, but it's not about numbers over origin. You know, We're not going to run out of trade, so... It's going to be very, very hard to finish in the top sort of 100 or the top 1,000 this year compared to other years. What are your thoughts there, Des? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Not not an easy year for me to go back to back, put it that way. Mate, there's a nice early excuse for that you can work with. <laughs> uh, fellas, we'll have a chat at, about the draw just quickly, the winners and losers. There was a lot of questions coming in on social media about that during the week. Um, I'll run through the teams that I thought – were favoured by it and the ones who have been hit pretty hard and then I'll get both of your thoughts on it. 
Uh, winners for me are the Cowboys, who face the Titans and the Sharks. I don't think it's actually been confirmed yet or at the time of recording whether they are home or away games, so I won't touch into that based on what the draw has set up so far. But Cowboys have a really nice draw there. The Tigers face the Sharks, which is tough enough, but then the Titans as well, huge for them. Uh, and the Panthers have the Knights and Warriors. So a lot of they're all very relevant Supercoach teams as well. As far as the losers go, basically every good NRL side has been given a brutal draw to come back to. So the Roosters play the Rabbitohs and the Broncos. I think the Broncos game's away, uh, and that's the Roosters who are, who are 0 from 2. They could easily be 0 from 4 to start the year. The Broncos have the Eels and the Roosters very hard. The Eels play the Broncos. I think that one's away. And then Manly, the Storm play the Raiders and the Rabbitohs, which is brutal, brutal for any Cam Munster owners who wanted to hold on to him. Uh, and then the Rabbitohs, which is stacked with Supercoach players, have the Roosters and the Storm. So that's my early take on it. Anyone else not mentioned is sort of neither here nor there. Uh, Walson, I'll start with you, mate. Who were the players uh, and teams that you're looking out for or your opinion changed on as a result of this draw? Yeah, I think I think uh, Cowboys and St. George were the two sides that I thought did pretty well, even though I don't think St. George is a really strong side. They've, they've still got a pretty soft draw. Um, I also think the Roosters have a pretty decent draw because, um, like I've said Past, I think the Broncos and South Sydney are both good sides when you're playing against them for Supercoach for scoring. So they play both the Broncos and and South Sydney. So that'd be the three. So um, I, I don't really like any players in particular from the Roosters apart from Teddy, and he's too expensive for me to get in at this point in time with my team balance. Um, the Cowboys, I think you'd be looking to have players. I know we'll talk about him later, but Drinkwater. Um, Isam Masters, um, Tamalolo is almost a must now, um, and Valentine Holmes is, is a serious consideration. St George, yeah, well, they don't have a lot. I mean, Billy Army's there as a cheapie for for everyone. Fuamaono, if he can get some, if he can get some decent time, but I don't think he will. The we'll talk about pods later, but it brings McInnes into into contention, but whether he's going to get the minutes coming off such a long spell, you know, it's hard to say. But that that, that that's my line of, uh, of thinking, draw-specific. Yeah, nice, mate. Is there anyone who the draw came out that you were keen on and all of a sudden you've just gone, nah, with, with the way that's panned out, I, I can't really go near anymore? Yeah, it ruled a few out. Um, it, it ruled out Cody Walker. <laughs> I actually, well, yeah, he's in trouble now. But but before that, I actually ruled him out because I think South have a very tough tough draw. Are they Roosters and Melbourne? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so um, and then it, it sort of confirmed in my mind that I was going to get rid of Cam Murray and try to get rid of Liam Knight as soon as I can. Although hard games aren't necessarily that bad for forwards, so. Um, but, yeah, the, the other team, of course, and I've liked them all year, is um, is the Tigers. I think they've got a fair draw as well. Sharks, which is which is a reasonably tough game. It's a middling game, but then they play the Titans. Yeah, yeah good shouts there, mate. Um, I'm a bit the same. The Rabbitohs are the ones who I've been put off a little bit. And uh, you, you nailed it on the head. It's The draws are far more going to affect the backline players for obvious reasons, less points scored, less attacking opportunities. Probably not as big an issue for forwards who, who may actually have a bigger workload in more of a grinding, tough game. Uh, Cam Murray's a guy that I've spruced and said I think he's worth holding on to, but you know he's a guy who probably playing on the edge will get a few less base stats, and I thought he might jag a few attacking stats while playing the Roosters and Storm. I'm backtracking on that idea a little bit. Um, Des, what were your thoughts, mate? Yeah, I mean, I haven't looked into it too much. It's just two weeks, but, yeah, I think South's Definitely uh, have the toughest draw there. I'm glad I only have Liam Knight in my team from South, so I'd, I'd be spewing if I had Cook and, uh, and Murray and stuff like that as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the Tigers as well, and I, I think it will definitely generate even more intrigue over Harry Grant as well with that draw. I know Walsh has talked about him a fair bit in some of his articles, but, yeah, he's he's a definite look-in straight away. Come on. Yeah, Interesting one, the Tigers there, because Nofaluma, who I know Walson started with at the start of the year, who's just gone nuts the first couple of rounds, he was a guy I was actually going to put down in my game, which we'll get to later, but a guy, guys who I don't think will match their hype on return, mainly due to his massive prices, over 600K, but 
you see his break even now, the way he's been going, and now they play the Titans in two weeks' time. You think he could just go nuts there from what we've seen against the Titans early in the season. Anyway, lads, we'll get into our three must-haves on return or the three guys that you'll be picking when the season starts. I know there's a few obvious guys, such as probably Appy Corusau, who everyone knows to have in their team. Um, Wilson, I'll start with you, mate. Who's coming into your side, the, the key guys? Yeah, I had a, uh, just a couple more than three, but I had Appy, like if you haven't got him. So I have him. I also have Hass. I think you need to have Hass. Um, I'm going to be doing everything to bring in Tamalolo because I think you have to have him, particularly with the Cowboys draw. Um, even though he's a forward, I don't know, I saw enough to say there's enough volatility in the fullback position that I'm going to lock up Corusau, Hass, Tamalolo um, and that top part of it. Uh, the other ones that I think you have to have is uh, Drinkwater, Masters uh, and Yo. I haven't got, I've got Masters but I don't have Yo and Drinkwater and I'm sort of warming a little bit based on listening to the podcast last week and and the case that the spy was making that Katoni Staggs is almost a must, but I'm sort of wavering on that one. I'd be interested in your thoughts on that, boys. Yeah, I've I've got Katoni Staggs on my list as of must-haves. I I just look at him, see a negative thirty-seven break even. Hmm. The big thing is he's got one hundred and twenty-one in his rolling average for another two weeks. Yeah, in round two, if it was in round one, I'd be like, oh, it's dropping out after round three. But that's a huge score to have him there. I then look at round one. It's it so long ago now. He only played 53 minutes in round one and still busted out a good score. So, I mean, he's a guy that you could potentially put in in the category of won't match the height because, you know, it's unlikely. That's exactly where I have him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's it. And we're going to find that a lot of these are going to cross over, I think. When I was putting mine together, the, the, the height players and the must-haves, the, the, the must-haves are generally based around the massive negative break-evens. Um I do have him in there because I think he can be a keeper and worst case scenario, he earns big coin. He's going to hit 600K or close to it pretty soon. And if you don't yeah. get it out, you're going to be lagging. So it's uh, like, it's the low risk. I think that's just dragging me in because it's almost riskier not to have him. Like if you didn't have him and even, if, even if like the spy said, he goes 40, 40, 120 grand or something like that like it's sort of there's not a lot of risk in taking him apart from if you can say I'm definitely going to take a center wing that's going to outscore him by 50 60 70 points over two weeks which is is hard to say at the moment because there's not many that you'd back to do that I guess exactly and it's a guy I've got again we'll get to it later but in the won't match the hype is Isaiah Yo. I'm also going to bring him in, I think, for that same reason. It's just there's no risk in bringing him in, even if he doesn't hit the height. When you look at the negative break even and the fact that he could be a keeper, I think he's very similar to Tony Staggs in that regard. Um, Des, who's on your list, mate? Yeah, I, I pretty much have the exact same. Must have as well. So, uh, pass, obviously, I think he'll average 80-odd for the season. Like, if that's not a must have, I don't know what is. Coruscant, crazy not to have him after sort of what you saw from him in the opening couple of weeks. I've got Yeo there as well. I mean, he was my first trade-in for round three two months ago. And, like, two months later, he's, he's still my first trade-in. So, yeah, make of that what you will, I think. I think he'll produce. And I think, yeah, I think Tumbalolo as well. Yeah, yeah, good shouts. Um, one thing I will say about Payne House, he's definitely a must-have, but I don't think we're going to see him play these 80 minutes on return. You've got Matty Lodge, who it sounds like he'll be back for round three. Um, you've got Joe Offengahi coming back. Um, and then in a few more weeks' time, you've got guys like David Fafida, Tavita Pangala Jr., who will probably play in the middle this year, I'd say, based on their back rollers. Um, so don't – which probably impacts him being a locking captain every week, uh, but just one to look at there. A couple more guys I had on my list were – interesting to get your thoughts, but I think Luciano Leilu was pretty close to it, lads. He, he's only at 11% ownership for the time being, which stunned me a little bit. Negative take even. His base stats are 57 per game. We know how good he can be in attack. Well, reckon he's a must-have, or could you see some sort of case that maybe not? 
Uh, I don't think he's a must-have. I have him. Like, I started with him and I was spruiking him in the preseason and I'm very happy with the way he's gone. But given he's scored a try in each game, I do think his game lends itself to a lot of attack- attacking stats. But certainly the second game, there were some worrying signs, five missed tackles. Um, it, it got a bit loose there for, for the Tigers um, on that right edge, which um, it just... It's just whether Maguire's going to have the patience to see it through and whether they can remedy some of those glaring defensive uh, deficiencies that, say, like the Leilua brothers. Although I, I don't think he's the worst out of the three on that edge. Like it's got, you know, you've got uh, Luciano and then you've got Joey whose um, effort's sometimes really poor and and makes some really uh, poor decisions. And then you've got Nofaluma who's just a head-scratcher sometimes as well. So, um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see Maguire's patience, but, geez, they're a potent attacking side, I'll tell you what. Uh, they... it's, it's tough on guys like Joey Leilua who had a stinker in round two, and we've had mm. we've had two months' worth of podcasts to just talk about what happened basically in round one and two. So I've, mm. been, I've been hammering for Joey, Joey for two months now. The poor bugger could have had a cracking game. We could have been spruiking him for the last two months. So it's, you get feeling a little bit harsh after a while, but I think you're right with Luciano. I think his longevity as an 80-minute player is questionable, but mm. that, that's the only downside I see as far as him being a buy with a negative 11 break even. Another guy I've got on my list is Ryan Madison, who, whilst you were real keen on him at the start of the season, he's delivered big time, averaging, I think, about 78 or something thus far, only owned by 17% going into round three. Obviously, that'll jump, but break even of 44, he's not necessarily a must-have value-wise at the moment, but... He's a guy that I can't really see having a bad super coach game, and he's so good in attack, particularly playing outside Mitchie Moses, despite the tough draw coming up. He can go big, and he can he can turn up easily enough with a try and a line break. Um, Desi, what are your thoughts on Maddo? Yeah, I like him. I, I was a bit skeptical about his move um, to the Eels, but yeah, obviously outside Moses. Moses, he looked real good in that second game. Um, yeah, I think Maddo, the, the stats will come. The proof's in the pudding pretty much so far. I, I, I can't see him going downhill, put it that way. Yeah. Let's get on to the juicy stuff, fellas. The pods, you blokes were the king of the pods last year, particularly you, Desi. Um, I'll start with you, Des. Who who have you got in your pod list? Guys that you're attempting you pretty hard on return. Yeah, I mean, I, it, this is a guy I was I was talking about actually before before the break. Uh, it's Alex Twilight. I think, yeah, Walson covered him pretty well in his most recent article. Um, there's obviously worries about his minutes and rotation with the Tigers bench and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I think he's worth taking a chance on, given his, like, enormous propensity for base stats. On top of what seems like some increased agility and fitness over the offseason, I think he has a real potential, real, real potential. Yeah, he, he's a guy I wanted to get both your thoughts on because I'm I'm undecided on him at the moment. I mean, he couldn't have done much more in the first two rounds. We've got a few numbers here. He's averaging 75, break-even of one, so he's going to make a lot of coin. Averaging 67 in base. His minutes are where it's a bit of a question mark. He played 53 in round one and then 66 in round two, although his PPM increased the lower the minutes, so I'm not sure it'll be a massive impact. If he's playing 66 minutes, he's effectively a must-have. Um, I think a lot of it will come down to the bench makeup. If Harry Grant plays 80 minutes and Madge goes for four forwards on the bench, I think that'll hurt him a lot. Um, I'm just I'm just not sold, but he's hard not to like. Wilson, what were your thoughts on him? Oh, I think he's a nailer, really, because the bench makeup is pivotal. Um, Maguire does like to go with four forwards on the bench, uh, and he did that in the first two weeks. But with Harry Grant coming in, is he going to give him a backup there? And Reynolds, there? Reynolds adds that energy. Um, to to be honest, I think Harry Grant's an 80 minute player. He's ready to just plug in there. And he will um, – he turns the West Tigers into a top eight team for me. That's how good he is. But um, it's sort of – it's 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 like have a look at the team list really closely and go one or the other. For me, it's like, uh, it, you know, it would be a hard sell for me to go both. At the moment, I've got Twal in but not Harry Grant, but it could easily go the other way. But I don't know if in the first week I'd get both of them. Um, so, because to yeah, but 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 in terms of Twal, I mean, you know, to me, I think he's a cheap keeper. Like, you know, he's four hundred and 
80 something, is he? Yeah, like he's pretty he's pretty cheap if you believe he can replicate those scores. Yeah, for sure, mate. Um, it, it will be interesting to see what happens with Alex Tawal. Uh, Dez, who else is on your list, mate? Yeah, I've got Eastern Masters there as well. I think, um, yeah, the offload looks to be back with the move up north there. And that, that's pretty much all you're looking for when you're looking at Eastern Masters. That's all you really need from him. The points will come off the back of sort of more freedom to his running game. So I'm not too, not too worried that he doesn't sort of have the kicking as backup for his base stats. I, I think, yeah, he's looking real good. Is he? Have you got him ahead of Stags and Asako? I do, yeah. I've got him ahead. And I suppose that's just thinking he's more of a, a certified keeper long-term than the other two who could just be cash grabs. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's proven himself in seasons past that he's definitely a keeper in the center wing position and he has enormous propensity to accumulate base stats with tackle busts and offloads. And that's a huge part of Supercoach for mine. Yeah, nice. Anyone else on that list, mate? I, I drink water as well. Um, I think he's got potential to put some big scores on due to the sort of weaker draw that the, the Cowboys have over the next couple of weeks. Um, he's probably not a keeper long-term, but he should make some good cash and has some upside to him. Yeah, he was drinky. He'll be arguably the most popular purchase going into round three. He's a guy that I had question marks around and a guy that I probably didn't think he'd match the hype until I saw the draw and saw that the Cowboys have that really nice run. The big one is the Titans there with that massive negative break even. So, I mean, I know in my position I've got Billy Walters and Nathan Cleary as the halves. Walters, who I don't think will play, Cleary is out for two weeks. So I'm probably going to be forced into flipping Walters and then bringing Jude Porter, uh, bringing SJ up into half and and drinky. Um, Walson, what are your thoughts on Drinkwater and who are your pods, mate? Uh, my thoughts on Drinkwater is more like <clears throat> just having a look now. He's 20% owned. I think he's – by the time the, the um, round three starts, he won't be a pod, but he's almost a must-have. You have to burn one of those trades on him. Um, he's a flaky sort of player. Um, he doesn't have great base. He's defensively suspect, but um, he's an attacking player. And I think against a side like the Titans, he's probably going to carve up and and um, more than likely going to score 40 or 50 or even in excess of that. You know, he might be like a flyer for a vice captain or a captain. So I think you've got to have him because of the first two weeks. Um, my pods, I had a lot, but um, I, 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 I think a pod move – um, we spoke about Harry Grant. A pod move is probably to bring Harry Grant in early and forego that money that a lot of people make on Braley. Like Braley's owned by about 50% of people. Um, I think most people will wait till he matures, give him two weeks to mature, have a look at Harry Grant, bring him in um, in that third week. Um, I think possibly if the team list lends itself to it and there's no Reynolds on the bench or no Walters on the bench, <coughs> It might be a pod move to bring in Harry Grant straight up because um, I think he'll score well. That's uh, huge. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I, I floated it with you guys. You know, just for now, chat and that. And um, Desi, you were, you were sort of interested in it, weren't you? Yeah, I really like it. I, I'm not a fan of Braley. I, I think. Um, yeah, I, I trust Walson in his in his talking up of Grant. So I think I'm gonna follow suit if that's what he does. <laughs> I think you're lunatics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I, I suppose it's like the thing that the thing that I think about Timmy is that um, there's more of a premium on points, and you go, oh well, you'll have to give up that, but you, you're not going to need. I, I think I heard someone talking about it, you're not going to need all these players in your squad making money and that type of thing. I, I don't think personally. Like you can you can build you could build up all this money and find out you end up a thousandth and you never really give you a crack yourself a crack at actually winning it by chasing all this money early. Yeah. You could have had points if that makes sense. So I think that's the way, um, like when Des said, you know, you just got to go all out for it. I think that's the type of trade which could blow up in your face or um, it could pay off with the with the points difference. Yeah. So so let's say you do do it. I mean, you're looking, sitting there with Blake Braley, who's over 50% owned, uh, mm. Negative twenty-one break even. If you do go the early gun on Grant, 
what sort of points are you hoping for in the, the next two weeks? I think he could debut and, and score in excess of 120 points over two weeks. Like, yeah. And I think that's a win. Um, so because, you know, instead of having someone like a Knight or um, maybe a Carrigan who's probably going to regress a little bit with the Broncos, um, you might have Harry Grant. Um, and, and, he, and I, I actually think... I actually think he could could go a lot bigger than that, you know, given the sides they're playing and what I've seen of him. I think he could be really good. But, again, I get excited by players. Sometimes they come off, sometimes they don't. Like I think of Connor Tracy in that last last year and that was just an absolute howler. And then Katoa sort of from the Warriors picked him early out of the trials and he's gone on to be pretty good as a, as a cheapie. But... Yeah, you know, uh, that's that's the fun that I find in the game, trying to find these like little points of difference and do it. So, but the the other the other pods I had, I think Dylan Brown's definitely one, seven um, percent owned. I said I think a lot of people, a fair few people, will bring him in. Um, Josh Josh Mansour, he's only four percent owned, which is you know staggering. You know, and you and if you and realistically, if you compare what Stags has done to Josh Mansour. Mansour has been probably a lot had a lot more substance in it because he hasn't scored a try. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, big time. Mansour's a guy I've got on my list as well, and um, you know we know what he's been in the past. He's averaging 72 this year, break even negative 16, 37 in base, might even be 39 in base, which is just ridiculous. He had 21 runs in the first week, 18 runs in round two, um, and it's a good point you make with Staggs. Staggs has been built up by four tries. Um, stack a tackle bus, whatnot, man. So I think he set up a couple, but no tries to his name. The Panthers have a really nice draw. He looks the goods, doesn't he? Yeah, and 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 the other thing to note too, and and you know we talk about I talk about it a fair bit the matchups is, and it was the reason why I didn't go with Man. Incidentally, is um, I think he plays on the left side, and I thought they'd be right side dominant with Cleary. Um, now they they haven't been as much. They've actually used short sides pretty well with uh, Jerome Luo. But you have to think um, the lad who's uh, is it Burton? I think comes in. He's going to be the lesser senior player for two weeks, and maybe Luo dominates on that left hand side, and Mansell sees more ball. Um, yeah, I, and I also I think we'll talk about it a bit later the rule changes, but I think it lends itself to outside backs like him and Masters getting into dummy half, running off quicker play the balls um, and, you know, breaking tackles and things like that. I think that – so he's definitely one you should consider. I haven't got him in my trades at the moment, but I'm talking myself into it. I'm going to throw six names at you, boys, that I've got down here, and they're left field pods, and just let me know if any of them interest you. But Philip Sammy, Renouf Tamunga, if he gets a back row spot, uh, Adam Elliott, Josh Dugan, Cam McInnes, and Ben Hunt. So they were the ones I've, I've gone through and gone, okay, well, if you want to go really left field, maybe get one of those. Desi, anyone for you there? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, McInnes is the one that strikes to me the most of those names, um, mm. given his dual position as well. I think he can definitely be something. <clears throat> Other ones, not so much, no. Yeah. I suppose with I suppose with the rule changes, you know, I think a lot of the experts like Cooper Cronk and that have talked about how it's going to benefit Cook and the hookers. And I consider Cam McInnes in that echelon of, you know, the top five hookers in the game. Like he's very good or quick play. So, and they've got a a really good draw in those first two weeks. You know, even though they're they're a pretty ordinary side themselves, St George, but they could well come out and put some decent scores on in those first two weeks. But the risk is, is he going to play? What sort of role is he going to play? Because they talked about him playing in lock for a while. Is he going to play 80 minutes? If you know that he's going to play 80 minutes, then, oh, he, you know, I, I could see a few people taking a flyer on him, you know, maybe trading out a day for feeder and bringing in Cam McInnes and have a look. Yeah, Cam McInnes is one on that list that probably spruce my, my interest the most. Um Lads, I've got one for you on my list that I really want you to talk me out of because I'm leaning bloody close to him. But I've got Cohen Hess at the moment, 354K. He's averaging 58, negative eight break even. He averaged 58 in 2017 and 2018. If you can keep that up, he'll, be, he'll make it 200K 
I don't think he's a keeper, but what do we reckon? Wilson, do you yes or no? Uh, yeah, fair call, actually, with the Cowboys draw. I can't have him, eh? I just – I've sort of gone off him, but, yeah, I mean, I, I can't talk you out of it because it, it – it makes sense with the Cowboys draw, particularly that game against the Titans. He could, you could see him running off like a drink water or um, even Clifford's a good ball player and, you know, jagging a couple of tries and maybe getting 80 or 90 and, you know, getting some significant price rises. I just, it's hard with those blokes you don't trust and, you know, to bring them into your side and then you just, the self-loathing you go through when they just put in a stinker. I can't do it to myself. Yeah, the one, the one thing I do see with the Titans, I think we need to be wary of, and we're looking at these guys, we'll, we'll think we'll rack up big points. When you're looking at the halves and looking at the back rowers, look at the guys who are playing on that left edge opposite Ash Taylor and Bryce Cartwright. Because I think we saw it with Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses in round two. Teams, and there's it's not a, it's not a labyrinth, it's not a difficult puzzle to decipher that Titans outfit. You run at that left edge. It's where it's so weak all the time. Um, and coaches this year and last year have stuck with Ash Taylor and Bryce Cartwright. So Cohen Hess plays on that right edge. So whether or not he gets that much ball, I don't know. But he's a guy I'm keen on. And another one who I won't be getting in, but I've got a close eye on, is Moses Sully, who is only averaging 37, doesn't look that good. But... For a guy who's typically been pretty lazy in the past, he's averaging 36 points in base. He's had 34 tackles in the opening two weeks and 28 runs. Has no attacking stats to his name. Manly have had a pretty tough opening. Um, Desi, you're a Manly fan. What are your thoughts on Sully? Do you like him as a player? Do you like him as a super coach prospect? Yeah, I like him as a player, but I don't think he's he's a super coach prospect at all. I mean, yeah. Are the attacking stats really going to come? Like, are they going to flood? I don't think they are. I think there's better prospects than him for sure. Cool, yeah, he, he doesn't have that upside. I don't think that that you know. But I, I understand your rationale. But I just I mean, I'm with Desi. I'm not sure he has that upside. And that's the he, he. I don't see him as being a keeper. But at 360k, I mean, he's not going to maintain 36 base per game. But if he can keep to 30 odd and bust a bunch of tackles, which he is known to do. The attacking stats don't have to come in masses, but anyway, just wanted to keep an eye out for. Uh, last up, we'll have a look at the guys who we don't think will match the high. Um, Des, we'll start with you, mate. Move on there. Yeah, I've got some pretty bold choices on this, so expecting a bit of backlash. Like but yeah, I've got Katoni Stags there. Um, I've covered him in previous podcasts. He's, he burnt me last season in the classic. Scores low when you play him and high when you bench. But yeah, he's obviously looked straight fire to start the year. But I do expect to see a couple of those 30s and 40s thrown in the mix very soon. But, yeah, as the spy said, he'll still make money even if he does have those low scores. So, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I think he could disappoint some people. Will you bypass him, do you think? Uh, yeah, I think, I think I'll bypass him. I'll go to year instead. Yep. Who else? Who else? Is uh, there? I've got Ponga. I've got Ponga there as well. Um, he's obviously a great player, but I just don't think he's as good as Turbo Teddy and Pavenhausen at the fullback slot. Um, the goal kicking gives him a safety net, but he's capable of like twenties and thirties every now and then. Um, he's a bit suspect sometimes. Doesn't run the ball back as much as he should as a fullback. He passes to his wingers a lot more than those other fullbacks. So I think, yeah, his, his base stats probably, yeah, probably not as good as those other guys. With it, with a low break even and Teddy and Turbo having high break evens, Pong is out for round three, suspended. Would you be selling? Um, no, I wouldn't sell him, but I definitely wouldn't be, like, rushing to buy him. Yep. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be selling any of those other guys, that's for sure. But if you have him, I, I would hold him for a bit longer. But... I'd just, I'd just be wary about those 20s and 30s that he has in, he has in him every now and then. Yep. I don't think he can keep up the 80 average, put it that way. Yeah, it's it. Who else is on that list, mate? Um, I've got Valentine Holmes there as well. Um, just not entirely sold on him yet. Um, the Cowboys have looked good, obviously, but I think he'll struggle without Morgan there for the first couple of rounds coming back. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit the same. Val's not a guy that I was keen on, and I'm still not, but, boy, that Cowboys draw coming up looks after him. Whilst Val Holmes, yay or nay? Uh, just, just purely on the draw, I think. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to go past him on the draw. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's a hard one, Val Holmes, because there's so many layers to to it. Like, I don't think he's playing that good of footy, but then a lot of the attack revolves around him and the Cowboys. So by nature, he's going to get that. Then he's got the goal kicking as well, and then he's got a combination with Morgan because I think. Their their wives are sisters and stuff like that, so they're really tight. And um, yeah, it's I could see him coming out and maybe getting close to matching what say a Ponga did because he's got a similar sort of upside to Ponga. But um, yeah, it's not for me. I don't think. Yeah, who else is on that list, Des? Oh, those are the three that I have. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, all fair shouts. Wilson, who have you got, mate? Um, I've got I didn't get three out to be honest but I've got Leilua like Luciano Leilua um, even though I have him and I'll be keeping him and um, I hope that he keeps going um, it was that what we spoke about before is is he going to keep his 80 minutes how's that right side defence going to hold up and you know how much patience, patience is Maguire going to have for it um, and whether his defence will hold up. Um, Attacking-wise, I think he'll get he'll get the points, so it won't be an issue with getting super coach points. But um, is Maguire going to really believe that he's a an eighty-minute player or even a even a seventy-minute player? You know, um, because I know McGregor dabbled with it for a while and obviously didn't believe in him and moved him back to a bench impact spot and. And that so that's a big one. The other the, the other thing to consider with Leilua, and this was one of the last blokes that I didn't get out for my pods, but he's he's a super pod. Is Luke Brooks? Um, is Luke Brooks comes back, and he will get a lot more ball on that left side, taking away a fair bit of the ball for Luciano Leilua. You would think, um, you know, he'll override Benji Marshall a fair bit and get a bit of that left side ball. So. That's one thing to consider. But I think Luke Brooks, similar to Cam McInnes, is, is there's a risk there because they're coming back from injury, but he's a player that could come out and and explode. He finished the year unbelievably well, like last year. He's finished to the year in the last eight weeks. I think he was averaging nearly 70, Luke Brooks. So, um, And he's a player that's always had, had a lot of potential. Yeah, and I suppose that um, could also have a negative impact on Nofaluma if people are considering buying him at a big price too. Yeah, I don't think – yeah, it could, but I don't think it affects Nofa as much because Nofa's yeah, – and this is what I like about that style of player, like Isan Masters, Nofa, uh, Josh Mansour. I'm talking myself into Mansour here. Is they get in dummy half, take those scoots, beat tackles, you know, beat tackles, then look for offloads. So, you know, you could be sitting on – 10 or 20 super coach points, they take one run, they get an offload, beat two tackles and a run over 10 metres and, and bang 10 points straight up. Yeah, no, it's good. Great shout, mate. Who else you got there? The only other one, I wouldn't say there's hype around them, but be wary of, I think everyone knows this, but be wary of Flegler and be wary of Gula. Um, obviously, Gula's... <coughs> So some could argue that he's he's in a similar position as Tony Staggs. I mean, if he rate if he retains his spot, he's going to go up a hundred, possibly one hundred and fifty thousand, just because um, of the big scores. Although his big score is is in round one, not in round two, so that makes a bit of a difference with the rolling average. Um, I'm not as convinced about what you said earlier with Payne House. I think from what I've seen from Seabold. Is and I and, and I, I some of some of those NRL.com and Fox Sports predicted teams I I don't rate them because some like with the West Tigers a lot of them haven't had Harry Grant in there and I think he's a he's definitely going to start um, and in the Broncos team they've had McCulloch and then three forwards and you know I just don't think Seabold will do that I think he'll play McCulloch he'll play an outside back like he's done most of the year, like, a, um, you know, 
Bennett does with Alex Johnson. I think he's had Herbie Farnworth and that type of stuff on the bench. Um, and then he'll play two forwards on the bench because he knows that he has um, Payne Haas who can play 75, 80 minutes a game and Carrigan who can play big minutes and he'll back those players to play those minutes. So, you're yeah, I, I get the logic mm. and, and it all makes sense. And as you said, Seabold will do the bench that suits him. Mm. There's going to be some serious talent playing reserve grade, playing Queens, or well, there's no Queensland Cup, but not playing mm. – in the Brisbane 17, if that is how he goes. When TPJ's back, David Fafita's back, we've got Offer and Gowie, Lodge back, Carrigan, Flegler. Like, there's two guns there that aren't going to be in that 17. Um, well, so you've got Lodge and Haas front row, and then this is a full-strength side. You'd have TPJ and Glenn second row, would you? You'd have TPJ at lock, probably, and you'd have... Uh, TPJ at lock, and then who's the second rowers? Glenn, probably Glenn and Fafita. Yeah, sorry, Glenn and Fafita. Um, so Pat Carrigan there, who's probably bench now. Yeah, I think he's more likely to. Yeah, I think he's more likely to either put Glenn back to that um, position because he can play. You know, he he could be a Herbie Farmworth because he can play in the centres. Yeah. I know. You know, he's played at international level in the centre, so he's more likely to come off the bench even though he's captain. Um, Jane Fafita in the back row, Carrigan at lock. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I can't see Carrigan dropping out of that side. Yeah. So then you've got Offa and Gowie, um, Tommy Flegler on the bench. Um, it's an unbelievable team. It's an unbelievable pack they've got, isn't it? Oh, to, for mine, the Brisbane are a massive chance of winning it this season. Yeah. You know, like, and and I think the other thing that, and they won without him. Was it? Did he get injured in the second game, or was it in the first game, Croft? But I think he might have got injured during the second game. I'm not sure, but um, like he adds a lot to him too, Brody Croft. So yeah. Yeah. that is a seriously good problem to have. Um, the only ones I'll touch on quickly because I've spoken about it pretty well every week. But I'll say, yo. Again, I mentioned him before. I'll be, I think, I'll be buying regardless because of the upside there with his negative break even. Could be a keeper because he's available at centre wing. But I just question whether or not he's as good a super coach player as we think he is, even if he is in career best form on a two week sample size. But uh, Kurt Capel coming back, Fisher Harris playing at lock, who will move into the front row, kick out there. They like Liam Martin. I'm just not sure he's that 80 minute player we think he is. Um, but there are a few questions around Tui Kamikamika down at the Storm, who he's flown under the radar a little bit, but he's got a break-even of negative 35, coming off a 74 in his last game. Um, there's some serious money to be made there. The issue is you've got Brandon Smith coming back, Christian Welch coming back, uh, Nelson Sofa-Solomona was a surprise inclusion for round one. He was coming back from injury as well. Dale Fanukin had a had a head gash or something in the one at first round one or two. I'm just not sure Kamikamika starts and gets the minutes we think he will. If he is named to start, he's a pretty serious cash grab, but I'm just not so sure on that. Um, Desi, any interest in Tui at all? Or no, no. It's, like you said, too many players returning, and uh, yeah, I, I just don't think his upside's there. It's not worth grabbing people without upside. Uh, yeah, yeah. no, not with the season structure the way it is. Sure. I, will, um, I will say, Timmy, one of the lads that I've got down here that we haven't spoken about, and maybe it's because a lot of reports, you know, good reports are coming out of Newcastle that he's not going to get the 80-minute role of hooker is Connor Watson. Uh, I spoke about Dylan Brown, and Dylan Brown's in my side at the moment, but he's made, he may be one that goes. But if Connor Watson was to get starting hooker, no, no bench hooker, um, he, he, he's a must. But he, but all the all the mail is that he's not going to. So it's going to be Randall's either going to start, and Watson will be utility, or Watson will start, and Randall will be uh, like a, a bench hooker. Yeah, there was heaps and heaps of questions for Connor Watson, and I was only going to say the same thing. It's basically as simple as whether or not there's a reserve hooker, which it sounds like it might be Chris Randall on the bench. Um, I think that's his name. Um, but, yeah, so if Watson gets it to himself, basically get him in. But it's a wait and see until next Tuesday when we get the teams. Uh, let's dive into a few questions here, lads. Aaron Parsons asks a good question. Will the, will the one ref be better or worse for our super coach? If so, how? 
and also who benefits the most from these rule changes, forwards or backs. We could go on all day about it. So give us your quick quick thoughts on that, Walson. I think it'll be better. And um, I think what they're doing, they're trying to do for the game um, is good. I just think, I just hope we can have some patience. We're very impatient people with the <laughs> rugby league. So um, hopefully this coronavirus stuff has made us a little bit more patient and the media's are, you know, just give the refs a little bit of a break. But I, I like what um, Volandis is, is trying to do. Um, maybe he'll find out he's not doing it the right way. But I think it'll, in terms of Supercoach, I think it'll increase the scores and make it more exciting, hopefully. Desi? Yeah, um, it's an, that's a good question, actually. I haven't really thought about that. But you'd expect with one ref, there'd be probably less stoppages, right? So it's probably better for the forwards. Um, maybe maybe less opportunity for the backs if they're not penalising as much. Yeah. Um, Mostly it's a six-again rule, I think. I think that six-again rule is going to um, – I think they, they said that they, they'd done a study and it was going to increase ball in play by maybe three minutes. But I can see that, like, just the continuity of game and then, you know, getting repeat sets on, on the try line and attacking, I, I, I just think um, that lends itself to – you know, forced dropouts, um, yeah, like, you know, tries and that type of thing. So I think it'll be good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sort of not quite neither here nor there. I'm with you that I think the six-again rule will definitely be beneficial for Supercoach. It'll speed it up, lead to a far more attacking opportunity. My issue is that I've seen a few statistics comparing the speed of the play the ball from one ref to two refs, in the one ref being the international games that are played using one ref. And most of them on average are about an extra second slower with one ref because you don't have the other ref naturally managing the ruck. If that is to occur and those numbers hold up, it's from a relatively small sample size, so I'm not certain of it, but it's going to slow the game down a fair bit, um, slow the ruck down. It'll kill hookers a lot. Um, it'll yeah, I can't, I can't see it to me because all the stuff that I've seen is that they're coming out and they're going to bin players and, you know, they've been really, really strong on it, and then they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna potentially like if someone tries to milk a penalty, um, you know, there's gonna be a handover or a penalty to the other team. So they, they're coming down really hard on just all this gamesmanship that has gone on. And it's probably gone too far. Like, and I think everyone acknowledges that. Like, the coaches have just gone further and further and further, and to the point where you see referees refereeing the game and they're scared to make decisions because they know they're going to get shit canned in the um, press conference, you know. And, and like, and coaches do it as a tactic. Um, so I think if they take control of the game, they're going to have to take a lot of heat for it. And honestly, I have to go, well, that's the rules and that's what we're doing. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's more likely to speed it up. Yeah, and that's and that's it. And that's right. That definitely for Landys in the NRL, the direction they're trying to take it, as you said, to keep the ball in play and speed it up is excellent. I'm all for it. The Simbin one for holding down is exceptional. I really hope they do stick through with that. Uh, anyway, we could go on all night about that. Ian Naylor asks after speaking about the Broncos forward pack. Is Flegler worth the trade-in for the cash, cash grab or is he too risky with all these boats coming back? What do you reckon, Des? Well, I got him in last yeah, last week, I guess you'd say now. But, yeah, I think he's still worth it. I, I don't see why not at this stage. I mean, he's, he's definitely got potential to, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very tough question to answer without sort of seeing what happens there. Yeah. But I think it's worth the risk. Walton? He's not as risky as people think for the reason like we had that conversation um, before. But in saying that, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of pieces to fit back into that Broncos side. So to, for me, it's a toss-up between Fleg, bringing in Flegler or Twal. I'm leaning towards towards Twal. Hey, i got one for you, Timmy. This would be one for Tommy Sangster. If a player um, does an indiscretion and they signal six again, do they get minus two for penalty? <laughs> oh, I don't know. What do you reckon? They, yeah, they, you'd have to think so, wouldn't you? It's, a, it's an indiscretion, so. Mm, it's an interesting one because they haven't actually given away a penalty. But, you know, um, I was just laughing because, you know, you said, oh, I think the sin bins will be really good. And I was thinking, yeah, you <laughs> until one of your players gets sin bin and you lose eight points and they're off the field for 10 minutes. But uh, so that's going to, I'm sure there'll be some furious uh, super coach yeah. 
players when the first couple of blokes get binned in the first week. Yeah, that's yeah, stick away, stick away from Tavita Pangai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what else we got? We'll ask a couple more. There were stacks that came in. Um, all right, let's say hypothetical. I'll ask Des because I know how high you are on him, Wilson, already. John T asks, if Grant kills it in the first round and plays 80, would you consider bringing him in a week early for the Titans and give up Braley's second price rise? Even if, as I asked, like, you've already said you're considering him um, for round three, so you boys are both obviously keen on that. Yeah, uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a smart thing to do. Like, you keep Braley, you, like, you're not going to forego big points, you know what I mean? Like, he's not going to bust out 100. He's not that sort of player. Whereas Grant probably can, and that—that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I think it's more about points than ever right now. Yeah, here's my advice on that one. That's a little bit different to what you boys have said, but they're playing the Sharks, who are grinders, or typically in the past have been grinders in defence. That's the way they're coached. They're playing them in round three. Have a look at Grant. Get a look at his minutes. Get a look at how he adjusts to the NRL and all that. As good as it all sounds, he's going to be. In the meantime, you get a price rise from Braley, and then we get a free go, and then we can bring him, bring him in early for Braley for the Titans game where it could go massive the week after. So that would be my suggestion, but we'll see. Um, Nate Pup, one for you, Desi boy. Is holding Tommy T worth it considering the predicted price drop and won't play at Brookvale anytime soon? What do you reckon? <laughs> uh, good question. No, I'm, I'm going to be holding Tommy T, I'd say, I think. He he's pretty fixture proof. I mean, Brookvale, of course, he's gonna he's gonna go ballistic there. But yeah, I I don't think I think everyone knew buying Turbo and Teddy at the start of the season that they were going to drop in price. Like that that wasn't the issue. The issue is just getting points from those guys. They're keepers for a reason. Price rises shouldn't really matter at that fullback position. Yeah, for sure. And he's got that um, the big break even at the moment. A, that he can hit very easily, we know, with Tommy T. Manly don't have too bad a draw coming up. Um, and his stinker of a score was in round one, so that'll drop out of his rolling average after round three. He's got about 70 in there from round two, so it's probably not quite as bad as it looks. Um, last question is on the Panthers from Jonathan Wilcox. Question for those running with Cleary and Walters at seven, which is myself, and there are a fair few of us. Is trading Cleary to Luau... Luai with a softish draw and kicking goals a viable strategy. Frees up a ton of cash to strengthen the side elsewhere. I think we all think that's definitely a viable option. The question is probably more how good do we see Luai being? What do you reckon there was? Yeah, I think that's that's a smart option. When you look at the halfback, there's not a lot of standouts. I mean, Moses did well in that second round, but he was playing the Titans and I'm not convinced on Moses. Like, he's too lateral for me. We had that discussion, I think, on one of the earlier pods. But um, I've got Moses, so I'm going to keep him in there, obviously, with Cleary and get rid of Cleary. And um, I could take a flyer on Brooks, but it's unlikely. I'm more likely to get in, say, a drink water, even though he's a 5'8 fullback, but, you know, manipulate it or a Luau or or a Dylan Brown. I think Luau or Dylan Brown, but... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a sound play. Stick with w- what you think. Yeah, cool, mate. Anyway, great chat tonight, fellas. We're finally there. Well, not finally there. We're a week away from NRL action. Uh, the podcast will be back to normal routine next week. Pretty keen for it, fellas. Thanks, Wiles. Hey, yeah, thanks, Timmy. Thanks, Des. Thanks, Desi boy. Yeah, catch you next week, boys. <laughs> All right, fellas.